course, we don't confess that around here, uh, but oftentimes you listen to people in the church talk and, you know, and, and you think, well, how, how are you different than the world, right? Uh, what what uh, problems do you have uh, that, uh, or do you not have that the world has, you know? And, and, and so um, sometimes it's, you wonder if uh, um, people have heard the gospel, amen? Uh, but we've heard the gospel and the Lord is good, amen? And so um, I don't know that we have a whole lot of announcements, right? We've got, uh, of course, Jared's birthday was yesterday, right? And uh, Miss Linda's birthday, uh, or Miss Linda's birthday is tomorrow. So, and then um, uh, Basin's birthday is the 27th. And, um, uh, and Miss Eva Lou's birthday was the 4th. And uh, didn't Larry Hutton say his birthday was the 30th of June? Uh, right, so his birthday, he's almost got a birthday, so happy birthday, happy birthday, Dr. Uh, Hutton there, and so, um, and I guess that's all the announcements, of course, it's, uh, it's June, or July, right, so it's hard to believe it's July, right, because um, we should have been done with our, our uh, renovations in August, in April, right, <laughs> so, uh, but we got some signs up, I guess you've seen some of the signs, right, we've got uh, those up there, and um, uh, I'm hoping Really, uh, even by the end of this week, we may have everything buttoned down. So um, that'd be nice to have all that done. Amen. Uh, and then to get back to uh, just doing the Lord's work all the time and, and all be well. Amen. Um, and so um, uh, why don't we uh, open up in a word of prayer? And I'd just like to open and pray for Mr. Stanley real quick. And then we'll get into uh, the word here tonight. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you that. Uh, Stanley is a child of the living God, and as, as a child of God, he's due all the rights and privileges of heaven that you've given to him, Father. And one of the greatest rights and privileges that you've given to him is a right and, and a privilege to live in divine health. So, Father, we speak life and health through his body in the name of Jesus. And, Father, we command it to be well. And, Father, whatever is causing the issue with his, with his sugar levels, Father, whether it's his pancreas or, or any other source of problems we commanded to be fixed and be well in jesus name and father we thank you that his body is strong it is right to be healed and father we thank you for your goodness and mercy and lord we thank you for the word of god tonight we thank you that you're with us that you speak to us that you lead us and guide us in all truth that you live on the inside of us as our teacher and instructor so father we depend entirely upon you for revelation insight and wisdom and we give you all the praise and the honor for these things in jesus name Amen. Well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Philippians, chapter 2. We'll get started this tonight. We've been teaching in um, uh, the book of Philippians, of course, for a while now. And um, uh, we got down to uh, chapter 2. And um, we spent some time talking about uh, the verses 5 through 11, uh, which talked about, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And um, uh, first of all, if he says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, that means you have the capacity to be that way, amen? And you have the capacity to think like Jesus, to act like Jesus, to operate like Jesus. Now, you're, never, you're not going to be Jesus, and we're never going to say that you're deity like God, but you can be like Jesus, amen? If, if uh, uh, I mean, we're as close to being God as you can be because God lives on the inside of us, and so everywhere we go, God is with us and, and in us and around us. Uh, and so that means we have the capacity to do that. Uh, and that's one thing where, you know, I would encourage everybody to do is have that goal in you. To My goal is to think like Jesus, to act like Jesus. Uh, and, uh, and, of course, he spent the time there uh, from verses 5 through 11 to do that. And then he shifts gears really in verse 12 
Uh, and then he says in verse 12, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And so Paul was observing that they were obedient uh, not only when he was there with them, but when he was not there with them. Uh, and, he, and so he's encouraging them uh, to, to continue in that. And, uh, you know, and, and really uh, this is a good opportunity uh, where Paul was, was commending them to, for being accountable, uh, that they were obedient when, when he could see them, they were obedient when he could not see them. And that's really accountability. Uh, and, you know, accountability is almost a, a, a bad word in the church, right? Uh, oftentimes, people don't want to be accountable to anybody else. And you can see that in a lifestyle because if they don't want to be accountable, then, then you won't ever see them at the church for like more than one or two services in a row because they feel like, well, if, if I go more than twice in a row, then they'll expect me to come. And I don't want to. I don't want to be. You know, have any any responsibilities in front of anybody. I'm gonna. I want to live how I want to live without any accountability in front of anybody. And so Paul was saying, "Look, I've observed you, and while I was with you, you did the right things." Uh, and so they were allowing themselves to be accountable to Paul. Uh, and uh, you know, for for the church, people will never grow up really in the Lord if if they never want to. Be accountable to each other amen and of course ephesians uh, chapter 5 you know, we know uh, verse 21 says that wives submit to your husband but verse 20 says submit you one to another uh, and there there is a valuable uh, uh, attitude to have to submit to each other there's a valuable attitude to have to show that you're obedient uh, both when you're in somebody's presence but also uh, when they're not there so you know, if, if it's uh, uh, someone like a traveling minister, they see you all here and then they call up, hey, uh, have those people been coming to church since I left? Oh, yeah, they, they're still there. Uh, so th you're obedient when they were here, but you're also obedient when they're gone. And that's commendable. Amen. And that's healthy. It's good for us. Amen. To live our lives in front of each other, to let each other see how we live. Uh, and it doesn't mean that I've got to show you where I spend all my money and got to show you, you know, uh, all my secret things, you know, and I'm not talking about sin. I'm just, you know, things that, uh, that are really none of your business. You know, what I do uh, behind closed doors and, and certain, you know, aspects of my life. Uh, and I'm talking about just, you know, things that are not be shared, you know. Uh, I'm not talking about sin, but, uh, uh, but just, uh, you know, you ought be able, I ought to be able to live the same in front of you as I live when I'm not in front of you. And that's really what Paul is saying, that you need to live the same way when you see me uh, as when you don't see me. And, uh, and if a Christian uh, uh, chooses to live one way in front of you, but lives a different way at home, you know, and that's really been, uh, historically, that's really been a problem in the ministry, where a lot of pastors will get up and they shake hands and they kiss the babies and they do all those things, and they go home and treat their wife poorly, right? And they go home and, and treat their kids bad. Uh, and then they come to church and everybody's smiling and, you know, and all these things. And uh, well, that's, that's not living the same. I mean, that's not being accountable. That, that's putting on a show, uh, and there should be some accountability. I mean, I, I should have a goal to live the same everywhere that I am and not have to put on a pretense, amen? Uh, and again, you know, some people, uh, you know, I may like to go, uh, to go see a movie or something. I may like to go out on a boat or something. And, you know, there's some things, you know, it doesn't matter what you do. Some people's going to get offended at you. Do I can't believe you go out on a boat. Well, what's wrong with a boat, you know? Well, it's of the devil. Really? It's a devil boat? I mean, is that a thing, right? Devil boats? Uh, and, and, 
But, you know, so, you know, sometimes some people you can't because they're so religious, you know. But most people that I know, especially in this church, I can just tell you, hey, I went to go see a movie or I went to go out to eat. Oh, you went out. Did they serve alcohol in that in that restaurant? Uh, I suppose they did. I didn't participate. Well, I can't believe you went there. Well, they serve alcohol in the world. Are you going to leave the world? I mean, what are you going to do, right? Uh, you know, you don't have to participate in sin, do you? You know, I know there's certain places you ought not go, right? I remember I was traveling north on, on, um, in Dayton one time, and there's kind of a little dive pool hall there. Anybody know where that little dive pool hall is up on the north end of town? It looks like a dive. You drive by, and there's, I mean, it doesn't say dive on it, but it looks like a dive. And I just mentioned somebody, well, that looks like a real dive right there. And they got all offended, you know. Well, I go there all the time. I'm like, well, okay, you know. Probably wouldn't go there if it was me, but you know, you do whatever you want to. None of my, I mean, I'm not your judge, you know. If the Holy Spirit says, yeah, go in there and, and shoot poo with all those guys, you know, every pool hall in the world's gonna die. You know, no, no, I don't care. None of my business, right? Uh, but see, uh, but we we ought to we ought to be able to live the same in front of each other as we do at home, amen. Uh, and and that's not to say if you treat your wife bad at home, come to church and treat your wife bad at church. That's the wrong attitude, right? Well, he said just live the same everywhere, right? You know, <laughs> well. That's what you should do, but uh, of course, then you have to deal with the rest of the, the verse, though, right? And so, because um, he said there, uh, as you have always obeyed, so we talked about being obedient, amen? Uh, and, you know, ob- ob- obedient to what? Well, there's two things that we are required to be obedient in this life. Number one is the Word of God. Number two is the Spirit of God. Uh, and those, that's it, really. Everything else will, fall, will, will flow from those two acts of obedience, so if you're obedient to the Word of God and the Spirit of God, will you obey the laws of the land? Well, you will, right? But the nice thing is, because we are obedient to the Lord and to, to His Word and to His Spirit, if the laws of the land are in violation with the Word of God, we're under no obligation to, to be obedient to them, are we? Right? We are required to be obedient to the Lord. And when I say required, the Lord expects of us right, to be obedient to Him and to His Word. But if, the, if, if they say, you know, you've got to start, uh, stop using the name of Jesus at church. I mean, that's, you know, whatever. That, that's never going to happen, right? And sorry, we're not going to do that, right? Uh, there, there, was a, uh, uh, there was a mayor in Houston, and she was a, a lesbian uh, in Houston, and so some of the churches would get up and preach, you know, against being a lesbian. And, and, and so she got mad, and so she said, you know, uh, you are required to submit your, your messages to me as the mayor. <laughs> like, what are you, the mayor king or something, or queen? Or I guess if you're a lesbian, I don't know if you'd be king or queen, you know. I guess, you know, maybe both sides, you know. But uh, anyway, so, um, and they're like, whatever. Uh, you know, I mean, just can't imagine. I would probably do it, you know, please read this sermon. It's a great sermon, right? You know, here's my notes. Don't preach it because, you know, I've got right now, you know, the book of Philippians, I've got 39 pages of notes. Uh, and um, and that's not even all the notes that we'll have by the time we get done with it. But um, uh, yeah, please read them, right? And so, uh, so uh, he said, you have always obeyed. So we we obey the word of God and the spirit of God, Amen. And, and you know the thing that I find odd many times is when the word of God is clear. Now look, does the word of God cover every circumstance, every single possible scenario? There's no way it ever could, right? Uh, and so. So the word of God, so number one, that means that the word of God cannot be a law. Because if you turn it into a law, then you're going to look for loopholes. Because you say, well, it says I can do this, but it doesn't say I can't, I can't do that. Even though that, the second part would be wrong, right? And, and yet, we will look for loopholes. And, and just like in the Old Testament, when it says, don't work on the Sabbath. 
Okay, well, that's what it, well, that's what it says. Well, what, what was the spirit behind that? Well, it just meant, you know, you, you don't need to spend all your waking hours pursuing profit. That's the whole point of the Sabbath. Take a time out, rest, spend time worshiping the Lord. That was the whole point of the Sabbath, is to not pursue work. Well, of course, that's not good enough for legalistic people. Well, what does it mean by work? Well, I just explained to you. Are you trying to pursue profit on, on the day of the Sabbath? Uh, I'm not saying, you know, what about mowing your yard? Well, some people like mowing the yard, right? Chris loves to, loves to mow the yard, right? And mow the yard and run over, you know, obstacles and, you know, take out all the gutters. And, you know, she loves doing those things, right? It's kind of like an obstacle course for her, you know? And so <laughs> she's getting better, though. And so, uh, I mean, all those things have been run over now. So, you know, uh, and so <laughs> most of them are gone now. Uh, but, um, you know, is that work? I mean, some people might think it's work, but some people might enjoy doing that. And so, I mean, are you going to split it? But is it for profit? It's not for profit. So, uh, but the, the Jewish people then would say, well, well, then we need to define what work is. So what they, what they decided to do, okay, we're going we're gonna to say, you, know, you can take, and whatever the number is, it's like nine, 1,999 steps. Yeah, and that's okay. But if you take 2,000 steps, that's work. And so now you're, you're in violation of the Sabbath. We'll see. That's never going to work because what if you're taking 2,000 steps to go help your neighbor get their ox out of the ditch or go help your neighbor with their child or go, you know, uh, help your parents or, you know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, so what, why is that the number? Uh, why, why is, why, who decided 1,900? Did the Lord decide that? He didn't decide that. So who are we to say, well, Lord, you didn't give us enough information, so we're going we're gonna to help you out here a little bit. Uh, and, and so you can't ever turn the word of God into a law because it doesn't cover every scenario, but the spirit of God will cover every scenario, right? He'll, he'll always line up with the word of God first and then fill in the gaps in, in anywhere in your life uh, that say, hey, th- don't do that thing right there, whatever that thing is. And so our responsibility is to obey both the spirit of God because he will show us, right? He's, he will lead us and guide us in all truth. He will show us things to come. Everywhere we go, he will give us, he will give us instructions about what to do, what not to do. Uh, and, uh, and of course, like I said, many scenarios are covered in the Word of God, but not every scenario is covered in the Word of God. So uh, were there pool halls in the time of Jesus? No. So, so well, there, then, I, then I can go to any pool hall I want to. Well, I mean, I'm sure there are some reputable pool halls in the world that, that look fine, and you know, uh, but there are plenty of them that look like dives, right? And the whole, you know, you just go by and then there's, there, there's devils all over. I mean, you just, you just you get the heebie-jeebies just driving by it, right? And, uh, and I don't know if the Lord said to go in there, fine, you know, but, um, uh, but you know, again, am I going to uh, go and put, a, put some kind of sticker on every pool hall and say, you know, this one's bad and this one's good? That's not my job. That's for you to listen to the Holy Spirit, amen, uh, for that. So, so our responsibility is to always obey. Uh, and what you'll find in your life is the greatest amount of blessings that you'll receive from the Lord will be in, in the lifestyle of obedience. That if you will live a lifestyle of obedience to be quick to, to yield to the Lord, quick to yield to the Spirit of God, quick to, to do what He instructs us to do, that's where all the blessings of the Lord will reside. Amen? Uh, and so many times Christians have such a hard time with the concept of obedience. Because many times we want to hold back. We want to have options. We want to, well, you know, you can't just be legalistic and obey all the time. Well, that's not being legalistic. You know, being legalistic is, is taking the word of God and turning that into a law. Uh, being legalistic in the sense of always obeying the spirit of God is not legalistic. It's just being obedient. Amen. Uh, and so, 
because uh, again, the purpose of turning the, the word of God into a, a law and being legalistic is really for two things. One is to uh, look for loopholes, right? So you can get away with things that not directly covered and you're looking for, you know, a, a way out, right? Uh, and, and so that's one of it. The second one is to measure your success and your spirituality by things you can measure in the flesh. Well, I'm, you know, uh, uh, keep the Sabbath, okay? I've kept the Sabbath for a thousand years. I've never worked on the Sabbath. Does that make you more spiritual than a person sitting next to you? No, but you think it does because you've measured it, right? So I, I've, you know, I've got my 27-year Sabbath pin, and I've not missed a Sabbath in, in 27 years. And where's your pin? Oh, you don't have a pin because I'm more spiritual than you. Uh, and so if, if your only goal is to measure uh, your success and your spirituality by things you can observe in the natural realm, you're never going to be successful. And so well, we want to obey the Word of God, and, we, and by obeying the Word of God, we obey the Spirit of God. Amen? Just like over in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where it's talking about speaking in tongues, it says, let two or the most three speak. And talked about prophets as well, right? Let two or the most three speak. Uh, and so uh, if you're legalistic, what's the number? Is it two or is it three? Well, the Word of God says, let two or at the most three speak. So what's it mean? Well, the spirit of that means, you know, if, if there are things going on and, and a couple of people want to speak by the Spirit of God, you let them speak. If another one wants to speak, well, you let them speak. What if a fourth one wants to speak? Well, you, you find out what the Spirit of God wants you to do. He may actually allow four people to speak. Can you believe that? Well, you could believe that, right? Because we're not legalistic. But he said, let things be done decently and in order in the same chapter. And that's the key, right? Are things being done decently in order? Or, you know, sometimes people just like to hear themselves talk, right? And some, some people like to, like to get up and prophesy the exact same thing every single time they prophesy. Uh, and so, you know, some things you kind of want to move on from those areas. But, uh, but our job as Christians is to, is to obey. And I, I don't know why that's such a hard thing, you know, that, because in the heart of men uh, is rebellion. Uh, and we just have such a hard time of saying, I choose to be obedient to the Lord. I choose to obey the word of God. And anytime I see people, they're always looking for a loophole. They're not obedient at all. They're, they are trying to find a way to be disobedient without being guilty. And the problem is the attitude to, that, the, 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 that attitude to begin with is guilty because you have no desire to be honorable to the Lord and obey him. You're trying to look for a legalistic out. So when you stand before the Lord Jesus someday, you say, well, Lord Jesus, I didn't do that. Yeah, but you meant to do that, you know. Uh, I didn't lie, but you meant to deceive. You intentionally meant to, to, to misrepresent. Uh, and so, you know, people, uh, you're never, people think they're going to get away with being legalistic with the Lord and saying, Lord, I, I kept your word to the nth degree. And, and I can guarantee you that will not hold water with the Lord when you stand before him. Uh, he will not be impressed with your legalism. He'll be impressed with your heart. Amen. Remember when David, David went into, I mean, of all places, David went into the, into the temple uh, and got the showbread, which was there only for the priests to eat. And, and he ate it. He was hungry. He ate it. Well, that's normally a capital offense, right? I mean, they'd stone people for things like that. Uh, and, and yet David was fine. The Lord wasn't upset at him. Why? Because the Sabbath was made for man, right? It wasn't, man wasn't made for the Sabbath. And yet people get so legalistic about things. And so, um, you know, uh, he's going to judge the quality of your heart. He's never going to judge um, whether or not you split hairs, you know, in things. He's going to look at what was your heart's intent 
about why you did what you did. Uh, he's going to look at what you did, but he's also going to look at why you did that. Amen. Uh, and if you're just trying to find a loophole, you just, it, you're never going to be successful standing before the Lord. Amen. Uh, and so he said uh, that, uh, that you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. So we should be the same people everywhere we go. Amen. Uh, we, we shouldn't be happy here in church and, and fine and speak well and go outside and cuss like a sailor. You know, and again, well, so you mean I should come into church and cuss like a sailor? Well, it'd be better to, to not cuss here and then not cuss out there. That's really that, you know, however you're acting here, you, you're usually on your best behavior at church, right? Well, it's okay to be at your best behavior outside the church too, amen? Uh, because he goes on and says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, there's a lot wrapped up in here, and I don't know how much time we'll, we'll spend just talking about this, but um, he said that it's our responsibility to work out our own salvation. Uh, and I just want to read some different translations of, of that uh, particular phrase there. Uh, he's, uh, the, uh, one translation says, push through the work of your life more abundantly with fear and trembling. And, and uh, the Amplified says, um, work out your salvation, that is cultivate it, bring it to full effect, actively pursue spiritual maturity with awe-inspired fear and trembling. And then uh, one translation says, work to develop the full fruit of your salvation with fear and trembling. And finally, uh, one says, work all the more strenuously at your salvation with reverence and trembling. So Paul is encouraging the Philippians, you know, uh, you need to uh, uh, work out your own salvation. You need to work on your own life. Uh, and uh, you know, there, there's a general attitude sometimes in a church that, well, if the Lord wants me to change, he'll make me change. Lord, you know, we, we, we pray the prayer of Psalm 51, right? Lord, created me a clean heart. Well, he, he uh, and put a right spirit, you know, uh, within me. Well, he put the right spirit within you when you got born again, amen? And so now it's our responsibility to, to have a clean heart in a sense that we're talking about the heart on Sunday morning, so your heart's not your spirit, right? And so... Uh, if you want more details, uh, pick up uh, with us on Sunday morning. But, but there is an effort. The, the word work there means that there's effort, right? There, there is work that you have to do, amen? Uh, and, you know, just like you go home and you maybe you work a nine-to-five job, but you go home, but there's still things you've got to work out at home, right? You've got to mow the grass. You've got to, uh, you've got to clean the dishes. You've got to do the laundry. You've got, they're just things you've got to do, right? Uh, and uh, when Chris goes out of town, none of those things get done, right, until uh, she's, she's supposed to arrive at home at, at 5.06. At, uh, at, uh, uh, no later than 4.30, we start cleaning the house, right? Uh, and so we work it out, but we work it out the last 30 minutes before she arrives, right? Uh, and uh, she gets home, and every time she gets home, the dishwasher's running. <laughs> and so, well, did it run any time this week? Uh, we didn't even know we had a dishwasher, right? We didn't even turn it on. Uh, and so... Uh, but there's just things to do, right? There's things that you've got to work on in your own life, amen? And this is an area that, that if we would really spend most of our time in this area about working out our own salvation, we'd be way less concerned about your salvation, right? Because it doesn't say work out your neighbor's salvation with fear and trembling, amen? How many times in church we're doing this right here? Well, I, I, you, you did that, you did that wrong, you're wrong over here, you're wrong over there, you know, uh, we, we want to point out everybody else's faults, uh, except for ours, right? But, uh, but he said, uh, work out, work all the more strenuously at your salvation. 
Uh, and so there is work to do. And, and the work of salvation is not hard work, but it, it is work, right? It, you have to, on a regular basis, look at your own life. And Lord, where am I compared to your word? And that's your, that's your measurement, right? It's not, Lord, where am I compared to the guy sitting next to me? Because that's not your measurement. Because if that was the measurement, who are you going to sit by? The, the least spiritual person in the, in the church, right? So you can say, look, Lord, I'm way better than this guy. That, that's not your goal. The goal is, uh, Lord, do I look like you? Do I look like the Word of God? Do I look like the Spirit of God? Do I look like the Lord Jesus? Do I sound like the Lord Jesus? That's working out your own salvation. Uh, and and, and I, sometimes I wonder, you know, about people, because uh, I remember when I got saved, my, my greatest, uh, I, don't, I don't know if it was a goal or uh, when, when I got saved, I saw where I could be as a person. And, I, and I'm just talking about, now I'm talking about spiritual gifts and raising the dead. Those are all wonderful things. But I thought just as a person of character, as a person who's not completely ruled by their emotions, as a person who's full of joy all the time. Uh, and I saw where I was, you know, just, you know, full of emotions and full of anger and full of all these things, even though I was a Christian on my way to heaven. And I could see as a reflection in the word of God of the person I could become. That, that I wasn't trying to find ways out and loopholes and all these things. And, well, I just love them, you know, and, uh, and whatever the, 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 the things are. Um, uh, when I saw the word of God, I thought, well, the, the next work, I've got to work on that area. I've got to stop being that person, uh, whatever that person is. And, I, you know, I talked to the Lord. In fact, I was just talking to the Lord today about some things. Lord, you know, I've got to stop doing these things about just being, uh, you know, in, in my mind, sometimes I'm just I'm just really bad at being about a bit about being a man pleaser, uh, and you know of course people might think well you know what are you talking about well there's things that you know uh, I would just like to work out you know uh, and just not be so concerned about what people think and I really don't care what people think for the most part but there's certain areas in my life where I do care more than I should care uh, and so Lord you know I, and so if there's anything like that in my life I talk to the Lord about it. Uh, and uh, and it's, you reckon he already knows about it? He already knows about it, right? And so I'll tell him, Lord, you know, uh, what do we have to do to get out of this? See, this is working out your salvation. Lord, how do I change this mentality? Uh, you know, a lot of times people think very little of themselves. They think I'm no count, I'm unworthy, I'm of no value. And a lot of people have very low self-esteem, amen? Well, see, what you should do is then work that out of yourself. Uh, Lord, why do I think so little of myself? I mean, you died for me. You must think I'm special. But over here, I don't think I'm special. But you must think I'm special. So, Lord, how do I change my thinking? How do I work that out of my life? How do I work, work uh, where I'm that person who's not just, oh, uh, you know, nobody could ever love anybody like me, or, you know, I'm just of no value. I can't really, you know, I can't do anything. Everybody else has got so many more talents than I've got. You know, I'm, uh, well, well, then find out what you should do, right? Instead of doing nothing, find out what you can do. Amen. Uh, you know, some of the most valuable people in the body of christ have no specific talent they're just always there they always help amen uh, and and so there's there's a lot of working out in our own salvation that we need to be doing that it, you'll do the rest of your life you will do it to the day you to the last breath on this earth you should be working out your own salvation amen uh, and and you should be in order to do that you have to be able to see clearly what you need to work on you know, sometimes you, you go to work and I, I don't know what to do. You just sit around and you need to do nothing. Well, that's not really appropriate thing to do. You should be able to find something to do, right? Uh, 
but a lot of times in our Christian walk, you know, we may be of the opinion, well, there's nothing for me to work on. I, you know, I, a person, I can never imagine being there. I can never imagine arriving. I can never imagine get to a point where, Lord, man, I'm pretty good. Now, it's not about condemnation because there, there, is, uh, there is an area where, and I'm not talking about condemning yourself. Well, I'm just a sorry, no count person. That's, that's of no value, right? That's condemning yourself. Uh, but you should be able to say, Lord, I see in your word where I could be here, and I observe in my life that I seem to be over here. Now, sometimes that, that distance may be really small. You know, it doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't have to be every time you see a verse that, Lord, I'm a thousand miles from this verse. You know, you may be six inches. And the Lord may be like, you know, you're, you're, you're close, but you've got six more inches to go. And you ever notice that sometimes the last six inches are really, really hard to, to move things, right? The first six miles is really easy, but the last six inches, are just, oh, this is really hard. Uh, and because sometimes those things are ingrained in your life and you were raised that way, you trained yourself to be that way, and it's kind of your personality, but it's not who God designed you to be, but there are things that may be difficult for you to change. And, uh, you know, like I said, I used to be a person of, of a great temper growing up. You know, I would I'd just fly off a handle and get mad and just, just, uh, just be beside myself, right? Just really out-of-body experience almost, you know, and uh, and um, I got a little better after I got born again, but it was still there. You know, that old man was still there. Uh, and over the years, I've worked it out. To, uh, now, you know, it, it's, it's nearly impossible to get me riled up unless it's something that's, you know, a righteous anger where I see an innocent person being harmed or something like that. But, um, I mean, it's just because uh, I don't want to be that person, and I'm not going to be that person. And it doesn't matter if that's the way I was raised. It doesn't matter if that's, that's the way that I am. Well, you know, I'm, my, my heritage is French. Well, you know, I'm just a French in me, right? Uh, and I know people sometimes will cuss and I say, excuse my French. You know, anybody ever heard that phrase, you know? Well, that means, you know, excuse my bad language. I don't know, is that, is that a thing? I mean, I don't know, you know? I remember I did ask my mom one time, somebody had repeated uh, some words in French, and I didn't know what they meant, and I asked her what they meant, and she, 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 don't you ever say that again. And I didn't know what they meant, you know. I still, to this day, I don't know what they meant. I'm, I'm going to tell you because if somebody gets the recording in France, it would be like, he just cussed in church, you know, and, and so I can't tell you what it said. So, uh, and so, um, uh, and I, but I remember I could still say the words, you know, but I still don't know what they mean, and I don't really care. But, um, but work out your own salvation. There are things that you need to work on, your attitudes and your language and your thought life and your actions and how you treat each other and how you treat yourself and how, you know, how faithful you are and, you know, how diligent you are. And, you know, that you've got to work that out your own. He said, work out your own salvation. Nobody's going to do it for you. It doesn't say God will work out your own salvation. It says you've got to work it out. You have to put the work in. You have to be willing to listen. You have to be willing to hear from the Lord. You know, I'll tell you something that uh, my pastor told me one time. Uh, and um, and it hurt my feelings, you know, to be honest. And and um, I mean, even today, it's still, you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what he said. And I think he was right. But when he said it, it, it really hurt my feelings. But you know, I had gone through. Uh, we had been married. We got married in 1989. And when I started, uh, when we got married, I'd started school to finish to uh, to complete a master's program in engineering. And so it's about a two-year program. And you know, during that two years, I would go by the church all the time and hang out. You know, I mean, I. If the church was open, I, I, you know, and I didn't have class, I'd go by the church to see if anybody was there. Now, sometimes they weren't, but a lot of times they were there. The pastor was there, the assistant pastor was there, the secretary was there sometimes. And I wouldn't hang out. You know, I wouldn't go 
if, if, hey, we're going fishing. Can I go? I mean, I'd just be, you know, bold and can I go fishing with you guys? Because I wanted to listen. I want to ask questions and uh, I wanted to learn. And, and so, uh, and uh, we developed a great friendship, you know, in, in those, just in those two years. And, uh, and I had made a decision that since the Lord called me to that church, then I'm going to be friends with a pastor. And, and of course, you've heard me tell a lot of stories about my pastor. But one of the things that, uh, about my pastor is, you know, he, he was a terrible student. He cheated his way through most of school, right? Uh, and, uh, in fact, he quit school two months from graduating in high school. And I thought, why would you? That's so dumb. I mean, uh, and when he came back, he had to beg the, the principal to let him repeat the entire year because he knew he could never pass a GED. And so he just repeated his whole 12th year of school because, you know, <laughs> it's what people like that do, right? And, and I, said, I said, well, you know, my second grade teacher told me, don't cheat because how do you know the person beside you got the right answers? And, I, and as, a two, as a second grader, I thought, you know, that's brilliant. Then I'm never going to cheat. Now, see, when, when I told him that, he goes, well, I know I don't have the answer, so there's a chance they do. So that's his idea, right? Because he's thinking, well, of course I'm going to cheat because they may have the answer. Well, that's a completely different mindset, right? So we're as, we're as opposites. I mean, as far as opposites you could be, right? I'm Mr. Academic. I made straight A's all my life. I love school, still love school, still study all the time. Uh, and he hated school. You know, in fact, when he, when he got saved, he went into his pastor's office and had his Bible, and he threw the Bible down. He said, there's no way I can read this. Because when he, when he got saved, he had never read a complete book in his life. Not a, com- not a complete comic book, nothing. And, and you know, uh, you may not know this, but you're looking at the, the, the uh, second place uh, finisher of the, the person who read the most books in first grade. That's me right there, right? And, and really, the girl who won first place cheated. So really, you know, I got second place, but she cheated. So because I caught her cheating, you know, I, she's in the library. She did this right here and marked it as red. And it's like, well, she cheated, you know. So I'm not bitter about it. I'm almost over it now. I'm working it out. Uh, but so she cheated, right? So really, I should have got first place because every time you read a book, you put the little name, the name of the book on a circle. We had like a little centipede around the, the, the top of this classroom, you know, and I had the most circles except for her, right? And, and so, uh, but she's a cheater. And so anyway, I hope she's worked that out of her life now. Uh, but, um, but that was me. I, I love, I, I, well, that wasn't him. In fact, when, when we got married, uh, he wanted to get together for a few times to, um, um, to, to counsel with us before we got married, you know, for, uh, I think we got engaged six months before we got married, so we met a few times, and, and, and he said, well, what are you going to do about your vows? I said, well, we're going to write our own vows. And he goes, okay, I need to see your vows before you get married. Okay, no problem. And we get together, do you have your vows yet? Well, no, I haven't finished them up yet. And, and I need your vows. Okay, okay, you know, because I'm thinking I'll just hand them to him before we get married. You know, the day we get married, here you go. And he can just read them. Well, see, I didn't know. Uh, see, he, he would panic. If you gave him just a, a post-it note with some things to read before service, he'd panic because he may not know all the words. And it would just, he would freeze. I mean, he would literally get just you know, sick, almost physically sick, if he had to read something that he had not prepared and looked at prior to the moment. And so, so I'm thinking, well, what's the big deal? You, know, you give me anything. Give, give, you're gonna, just give me something to read right now. I'll read it. You know? Even if I don't know all the words, I'll just make it up, right? I mean, how are you going to know right? if I make it up? And, and so... Uh, I just, you know, and if I don't know it, I go, I don't know what this word, I mean, every now and then, you, you know, I try to read through words, if, especially in King James, some of the names and things are difficult to read, and, and usually I try to read them ahead of time and find out, I've got a little app that tells me how to pronounce words, but, you know, sometimes you, you just have to read a verse, you know, just in the moment, and, and you haven't read all the words, 
I don't care, you know, can you pronounce all those words? You know, what if you can? Okay, then that's great, you know. I mean, I'm not going to feel bad because I can't pronounce all these words. But that wasn't him. See, he would panic. Uh, and, and so, but I made a decision. If the Lord called me to go to church there, we're going to be friends. And we got to be friends, you know, and things got weird later on. But uh, initially, we were very good friends. And, uh, and, and so, um, but, so that was the two years right after we started uh, to church there. We were married for two years. I was going to school, I graduated, and I got a job right immediately after I graduated. And maybe it was about six months or so after I graduated, you know, things just didn't seem, they didn't seem the same, you know, in my life. I didn't, I didn't know what they were, but just, you know, I didn't really know how to put a finger on it. And, and so I was just talking to him one day and said, Pastor, you know, things just don't seem the same in my life. You know, you, you, got, any, you got any input in that? And he goes, yeah, you backslidden. About <laughs> like that. And uh, he was one that just ripped the band-aid off. You know, he never would say, well, you know, you might want to consider, you know. They, no, it was just like, <laughs> rip the band-aid off, you know. And, and the hair comes off and everything, and you cry and scream. And, 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 um, and I was really offended when he said that because, you know, I, you know, when I think of backsliding, I'm thinking I'm going to go out in the world and get, you know, I'll have mom tattoo over here, and, you know, you know, start smoking cigars over there. And that's not, you know, that's not always backsliding like that. Sometimes backsliding is just not pressing in like we, should, like we used to, right? And, of course, part of it was I needed to work out my own salvation because now I went from working a few hours a day to working 40 hours a week, and, you know, that's a lot different, right? And I had children uh, at that time. We, uh, we, by the time I graduated, it was you know, the same year that we uh, had our first child. Life happens, right? You get busy. And, you know, without any, any intention of, I'm going to backslide from the Lord, become a heathen, we just back off on our pressing into the Lord. Uh, and that's really what he had seen in my life, that I had really backed off from pressing in with the Lord, not so much out of evil intent and sin, but just, you know, the, uh, Jesus said that the cares of the world choke the word. The cares of the world, Right. Seatfulness of riches too, but sometimes just the cares of things you've got to do. You've got to change diapers. Well, what if you don't want to change diapers? You're still going to have to change a diaper, right? Well, I don't want to. You've got to do it, right? I mean, it has to be done, amen? So if you're changing a diaper, you're not doing something else. Uh, and that's part of life, amen? There are things that we have to do. Uh, and the balance you have to find is, can you do that and still not walk away from the Lord? Can you do that and not have the Lord re be removed out of your thought life and out of your life and you fill up your life with things and, and uh, entertainment and just stuff, right? Nothing, nothing uh, that you point out and say, well, that's sin. But he said that, he said that, I, that I backslid. Uh, and, you know, again, you know, and I tell you that, and I, I have never told you that story, have I? Ever told you that story? Really? Okay, well, uh, well there you go. Um, so, uh, I, need to, I need to know for sure if I've ever preached that before or not. But anybody ever remember me preaching that? I don't know if I've ever preached that or not. Uh, yeah, and so, um, but, uh, but see, looking back, he was 100% right. Now, you know, uh, would I say it with that, same, with that same vigor? You know, I don't know. Uh, you know, sometimes he, he kind of had the thoughts of, you know, well, stab them in the eye, and that, that way, you know, they can really get the full effect of what I'm trying to say, right? And, well, you know, you could, you didn't always have to say, let the dead bury the dead, right? You know, that's what Jesus said, but he didn't always say that way, right? Sometimes it says he loved him, right, and told the rich young rulers things. And so you've got to, uh, and I'm not saying he's wrong in what he did. I'm just saying that uh, it, it really, uh, it wasn't offensive more than it hurt my feelings. Uh, and so, uh, but we all get to grow up, don't we, right? 
But, but I look back, and he was 100% right, 100% right, that I had backed off, I had allowed the, the cares of this world, not that I was in worry, but just things, right, things that you've got to do, right? I had a house, now I had to mow the yard, you know, all these things you didn't have to do before, and I wasn't going by the church as much because, you know, I would work, and I was working, I'd get off at 5 o'clock, they got off at 5 o'clock, so no, when I got off of work, they weren't there. Uh, and so, you know, it was, a, it was a change of seasons, change in my life, right? But I had allowed that to, to interrupt uh, my relationship with the Lord. Uh, and, uh, and again, so not, not that I was in sin, but just I hadn't worked that out. I had, I had not worked out that part of my salvation. Well, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this transition. How do I make sure that I make this transition but not walk away from you? And I hadn't done that. I hadn't done that work to do that. Uh, and so... So I had to work that out. I had to find, okay, how do I do that? How do I still stay a parent and a husband and an employee and still stay with the Lord? Uh, and, and you have to find that balance, amen? But you've got to do that. Nobody else is going to do that for you. You've got to do that. And if you don't want to do it, it will, it will happen anyway, right? You will, you will, you know, are you going to lose your salvation? I, I wasn't going on, the, on my way to hell or anything. I just, you know, just backed off from the Lord. Again, not, not with an intention of, of filling it with sin, but just... Filled it with life, amen? Uh, and so, so you, you have to do that. And what I would encourage you to do, the only way that you can really do that is to have a heart that loves the Lord, that desires to be close to Him. And, and if you do that and, and stay close to the Lord, he, he will show you. He will show you, hey, this area right here, you really backed off on, on that particular uh, aspect of your life. You know, it used to be just... 100%, you know, now you're like at 80%, you know, and, and maybe you're fine at 80%, but the Lord's 100% God every time, right? He's not an 80% kind of God, and he wants you to be not, not mean and ornery, but just 100% committed to him in all that we do, in, in all that we say, and everywhere that we go, and the people that we hang around with, and, uh, you know, I, I remember uh, dealing with some situations, and uh, uh, in fact, it was with my pastor, and um, um, this is years later now, he'd gotten kind of hooked up with some people that really were of not very good character. And, and, uh, and I remember I was talking to my friend Jerry one time and just really concerned because these people weren't good character, people of good character. And I remember we were standing in my driveway and, and, um, and I said, you know, this is going to be a problem because 1 Corinthians 15.33 says that bad company corrupts good morals. And it doesn't say unless you're the pastor doesn't say unless you're super spiritual. It says bad company corrupts good morals. Amen? Now, I mean, bad company means who you're hanging out with, right? Who's the people closest to you? Bad company will corrupt good morals. doesn't matter what you think. doesn't matter how strong you think you are. You're, you can't violate the Word of God. And it turned out to be a big problem. And years later, it was, in fact, it was uh, about two months before he passed, we were talking. And, and, and you know, he had, he had separated from being my friend, and really, in his mind, I was his enemy. I wasn't. I was never his enemy. Never, not one day was it, I was. But he, in his mind, he got to think that I was. I was trying to take over his church. Right? He said things like that publicly from the pulpit before. Uh, and and, uh, and I, and he said. Uh, so we were talking about that situation. He said, "Well, I just wanted a friend." And I said, "You know, that's really not true." I said, "Because uh, you never let me be your friend. You know, we used to be friends." And then you left, quit being my friend, so you can have this other person over here as a friend, 
Now, can you have more than one friend? You can have many friends as you want to, right? It's not like, well, you're my friend and you can't be anybody else's friend. We're not in kindergarten, you know, we're grown men. Uh, and so, uh, but, you know, because he wanted a friend that was vulgar and told dirty jokes and, you know, uh, treated his wife badly and different things, you know, and uh, that's the friend he wanted. Well, I can't be that friend. And so, you know, they're kind of mutually exclusive. You can't really have, because if you look at my friends, they're all kind of, you know, they all could be friends with each other because they're, they're good people, amen? And, and so, even if they have different interests, right? Some friends like to fly airplanes, some friends like to ride horses, some friends like to go outdoors and do things. Well, they're all good people, right? And they could all find common ground. Uh, and so, uh, so he, he, you know, he said he wanted to, uh, to have them as a friend. Uh, and he said, I just wanted a friend. I said, well, that's really not true because I wanted to be your friend and we were we used to be friends and we reconciled and everything was fine and of course he passed anyway within about two months after that uh, but um, uh, and look I was not unkind to him I was not disrespectful to him I was trying to be a friend to him uh, and so you know to me this this verse about working out your own salvation to me that's a pretty big thing uh, that, that's an area of our life where you, you only you can do it I can't do it for you and I've had people try to get me to do it for them. I can never work out your own salvation. I can't work out your salvation. It's not my job to work out your salvation. My job is to encourage you and to exhort you to please do it. But I can't do it for you. And nobody else would do it for you. And see, the thing is, uh, uh, at the very end of it, he says, with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Well, why is there fear and trembling in working out your salvation? It should be joy and happiness, right? Well, well, the fear and trembling, you know, in fact, uh, I think there's um, um, uh, in Psalms 2.11, it says, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Uh, and, and so, you know, that's kind of where he got that phrase from, from the Old Testament there, is, uh, fear and trembling, fear and trembling. Uh, well, what's the fear and trembling for, for, the, for the church? Well, there, there's really only one, there's only one thing that, that uh, you know, in, in the sense of fear, it's awe, but it's, it's also uh, reverential fear, but also there is the knowledge that the Lord, uh, that we will stand in judgment before the Lord. And that's part of the fear and trembling. And this is an aspect that, that I have used uh, for my own benefit uh, that has been of great value to me over the years. That when I think of, you know, someday I've got to stand before the Lord Jesus. Uh, and, and, and he says, we're gonna, he's going to judge, he's going to judge us. Uh, uh, in fact, he said, in 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So we will all stand before the Lord Jesus and give answer for everything we did, good and bad. Is that what he says? Right? That's what he says. And that's the fear and trembling. Right? That's the, well, Lord, you know, how am I, when you ask me why I did that, you think he's going to do that? He said, that may receive the things done in his body. Well, where'd you do them? Everything you've done, you've done in your body. And there really are no out-of-body experience. Well, I didn't do it in my body, Lord. Everything you did, you've done in your body, right? I did it in somebody else's body. No, that doesn't, that doesn't work that way, right? Everything you've done, you've done it in your body. Amen? And he said, with good or bad. So it's not, you know, people like, well, you know, I've been forgiven of everything. Well, you have been forgiven every everything, but he's still going to ask you about them. Well, why is he going to do that? I don't really know, you know, but uh, I know, is he going to do it? I know he's going to do it. So this, this thing stands in such, in just the, everywhere I go, it's just like, like a loyal puppy. Everywhere I go, this thought is with me. I've got to answer for this someday. 
How I treat this person, I've got to answer for this someday. How I respond to this person's actions, I've got to answer for that someday. How I stand behind this pulpit, I've got to answer for that someday. And, and see, that's, that motivates me to work out my salvation. That motivates me that I've got to give, you know, it doesn't matter uh, whether I do everything right or do everything wrong. What mat- in my mind, what matters is I've got to answer for this someday, right? Uh, and so uh, it's not about measuring and trying to be better than somebody else. It's I'm going to stand before the Lord Jesus someday. And so, you know, if I'm just, well, I just, I just fly off the handle all the time. I just can't help. I just fly off the handle. So I've got to work that out because someday the Lord's going to say, why'd you fly off the handle that time? And if you did it a thousand times, he's probably going to start with number one. You flew off the handle on, you know, May 3rd, you know, 1928. Yes, Lord. Yeah, because my wife Brenda Biscuits. Uh, okay, go to the back of their line. And you find, make your way back up the line after 10,000 years. And well, uh, what about the June 2nd, 1929, whatever it is, right? Well, Lord, you know, uh, I flew off the handle because the mailman was an hour late. Okay, go to the back of the line. I don't, I, how is he going to do it? I have no idea, right? I don't know. But he's going to ask us about all these things. And my goal in life is to minimize all the awkward conversation with the Lord. Now, you know, things that I, I can't change what I did yesterday, can I? They're already done. So whatever I've done, I've done. I'm going to have to answer for those things. Uh, and so I've got to work out where I am today going forward. That's all I can do. I can't change yesterday. Uh, I'm not going to have a bunch of regrets for things I did yesterday. If I've repented of them, I've got to move on. But uh, I've got to work out uh, my own salvation in fear and trembling. How do I treat my wife? You know, of all the things in, in my spiritual life, the Lord has gotten on me more often than anything about how I treat my wife. And if you ask her, you know, I'm maybe slightly above average, right? Am I slightly above average? I got a thumbs up, right? Um, but from the Lord's perspective, I got a lot of work to do. Because uh, as, as far as I can tell, because he's always like, you know, just, it's just, no, you know, how you said that, you know, and just the tone, because, you know, you could, you could try to uh, do a loophole and say, well, Lord, I, I, didn't, I wasn't mean to her. Yeah, but what was your tone? My tone was fine, Lord. It was fine. Yeah, you ever had a tone like that? Fine, you know. Uh, and, and you didn't say anything mean or unkind or cuss or anything, but your tone was like, uh, and, and, and the Lord's like, no, wrong tone. See, that's working it out. Now, see, if I choose to rebel against that, well, Lord, I didn't say nothing wrong. He may just not talk to you for a month, right? I mean, remember when, when Abraham uh, had Ishmael? You know how long it was before he talked to Abraham again? 13 years. <laughs> now, was looking, I don't know. That's between him and him, right? He can do whatever he wants to, but, you know, he may talk to you tomorrow. But, you know, just you got to be careful about rejecting the Lord. When, you, when he says, you know, the attitude right there, the tone that you spoke to your wife in. Lord, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, don't correct the Lord. Don't, don't tell him he's wrong. Because he, he will take offense at that, you know, and, and uh, he's holy and, and perfect and, and spiritual, right? And so be careful about being dishonorable to the Lord. Uh, and so, so the working out our salvation with fear and trembling is someday we, we've got to give answer for that, you know. And, and, you know, is the Lord merciful? He is so merciful, right? And there is no doubt when I get before him, I will fall on my face and, Lord, I, you know, I mean, I remember when, when the Lord appeared to Brother Hagen, you know, and, and, and he repeated what, basically what Peter said, you know, Lord, I'm unworthy to stand in your presence. You know, uh, uh, you, you should not be in the presence of one such as I. 
And remember, Peter said that, right? I'm a sinful man, you know. Well, the Lord still went to him, didn't he? Right? So he, he is merciful, I know. He is merciful. Uh, but, the, you know, he will, he will reserve um, his, his harshest criticism for the stiff-necked and the, and the hard-hearted, won't he? Right? We saw that in the book of Hebrews uh, as we talked about the hard heart on Sunday mornings. So, uh, number one, just don't have a hard heart, right? Uh, uh, have a pliable heart. Have a heart when the Lord says that tone, that attitude that you speak those words to your wife or your husband or your neighbor or your boss or your coworker, whatever it is, uh, that tone has to change. And I'm just using that as an example, right? It's not, this is not a tone message, right? I'm just talking about working at your salvation. But for me, he's on my case all the time. How I talk to people, how polite I am, how kind I am, how gentle I am, because kindness and gentleness, fruits of the Spirit, right? And it's perfectly fine for the church to be kind and gentle, amen? And sometimes we, you know, they just need it hard. What happened to being kind and gentle? You know, you can still be honest and be kind and gentle, right? You don't go, wow, you know, you got last year's bird's nest, don't you own a comb? What's wrong with you, right? Well, well, yeah, but, you know, I was up with my sick mother all night, you know, I didn't have a chance to comb my hair, you know, and uh, I mean, so oftentimes we, we regret being unkind, amen? And what I have found is if I start out with kindness, there's less, a whole lot less fewer things I got to repent about, amen? Uh, but who's going to do the working out? You do, right? And the question for us, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to put the time in? Because the fear and trembling is still going to be there, amen? Now, see, the... the, the, the most important thing, if you, can, if you can get that fear and trembling to be real in your heart, because a lot of people are like, eh, you know, it'll all, it'll all work out in the end. That is a wrong attitude. Because there's no fear and trembling in it at, at, at all. Right? There should be honest fear and trembling of, Lord, I, I don't want to answer for that. You know, I don't want to do that mean, unkind thing and then have to answer for that someday. Amen? Uh, and so, and that doesn't mean that I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not a doormat, I'm not a pushover, uh, you know, I stand, it's not that I don't stand my ground, I do, all those things, right? I, you know, nobody's going to compromise my, my walk with the Lord, and, and I, I have no, no problem with, with uh, being who I am, uh, no problem with, with standing for what I believe in, a- absolutely, no problem with that at all. And, you know, Jesus sometimes called them whitewashed sepulchers full of dead men's bones, he did that with the love of God in his heart. I can say those same things with the love of God. Because I have no ill will towards anyone. And I have no, no, no man is my enemy. You know, I have people who, who they consider me their enemy, but I, have, I consider no man my enemy. There's nobody that's my enemy. And I'm going to choose to live that way. I choose to live that way where nobody is my enemy. Well, that's me working out my own salvation. Amen? Now, that's not always been the case. I used to carry lists. Didn't you carry lists of people that were your enemy? Lots of lists. Amen? So, uh, you know, I think that uh, working out your own salvation... There is an effort involved. There is work to be done. And it will never end. Amen? It will never get... But, you know, just like anything else, uh, you, you ever work, done any woodworking, right? You do work woodworking, and you start, well, with the 80-grit sandpaper, right? And it's really rough. I mean, if you take some of this wood right here, you'd have to use 50-grit sandpaper. I mean, it would probably, you know, just... Uh, I mean, it's so rough, right? It, it's it's, cr- it's uh, uh, rough-cut lumber, and you, if you just brushed on it, in fact, today I was just, I was cleaning off some of it and I got a splinter, right? And, uh, and that's how rough it is, right? What's that? Oh, you felt sorry for me, right? It, uh, it didn't really poke me that hard, but you know, but it's, it's rough cut. Now, if I wanted to sand it, I'd have to start with 50 grit, 80 grit, something like that. Uh, 
but then, you know, I was working on these, uh, on these uh, uh, shelves back here, and they're already cut nicely, so I'm at 220 grit. It's a very fine sandpaper, right? So it's just little stuff. You know, I was putting the, the, uh, the sealer on there, and you put a coat of sealer on there, and you take the, the super fine grit sandpaper, and it, you're just taking little tiny dots of off the stuff of it, right? Over here, you got, it's just the whole thing's a mess, right? If you're trying to get this smooth, it's a whole, the whole thing's a mess. Back there, you just got little specks, and, and well, it's see, that's, you're always going to have to do that, all, even if it's down to the fine things, right? Where the Lord's like, hey, this attitude, that word that you use, right? You say, oh, shoot. You ever heard me say, oh, shoot? I, don't say, I can't even say that. I mean, it's hard to even say that because to me, it's just this close to cussing, right? It's not cussing, but it's just, it's too close for me. It's too, you know, dang, and I just, I can't even say those words, right? Uh, and I mean, just, I hear people say stuff like that all the time. It is, it's just like nails on a chalkboard, you know, I just, because I'm at 220, right, in my language in that area, right, and just in that area, but other people, like, you know, they just say, let's say everything, right, and uh, use all the words, and, and well, they're, at, they're at 50 grit, right, they need a lot of sanding down, uh, and, but see, that's going to be the rest of your life, because there's still words today that I'll say that the Lord would be like, no, just no, and in fact, me and Chris have been going back to listen to some uh, Charles Capps, anybody ever heard Charles Capps before? Charles Capps is really good about, about confession. And just been such a blessing. You know, these were back in 40 years ago messages, but just as real and good today as when he spoke them 40 years ago. And they helped us, amen. And they're helping us, right? And helping me. I got work to do, amen. You know, and I thought I had a pretty good confession to listen to him. It's like, well, I got work to do. So you can see the Lord wants us to get better, amen. So I'm working it out. In those areas that my confession is not as good as it could be, I'm working it out right now. I'm not going, oh, nobody can live that way. That's giving it up. I will never say words like that. Well, nobody can live that way. I'm always, I'm going to, I can do it. If he, if he encourages us, if he can do it, you know, if he, if he, because he's backed it up from the word. Here's what the word says. Then I can do it. Amen. So we've, we've got to do that. That's a work. That's effort. It, that's something that you've got to choose to do. And if you'll choose to do it, the spirit of God will hook up with you. Amen. And, and don't ever say, Lord, show me because you know what? He probably will. Uh, in fact, if you, if you do it with a sincere heart, I can guarantee you he will. Amen. Uh, and I have said that many times. And, and, uh, and like I said, he's, he's really on my case all the time. I mean, just not, not in a condemning way, in a, you know, in a belittling way, but just this right here, no. That, that word right there, no. Uh, how you talk like this, no. You know, just whatever it is, he just, he's consistently on my case because he's, he's helping me work out my salvation because it's a teamwork it's a team effort amen uh, so number one uh, uh, the lord's not going to expect you to do it yourself right he's gonna uh, he's gonna help you do it his grace is going to be there his spirit's going to be there and he's always going to back it up with the word of god amen and a lot of times it's the love of god the fruits of the spirit uh, uh, especially things like gentleness goodness kindness right those things are are lost many times in the church amen uh, it's, it's perfectly fine to be gentle and good and kind, amen? Uh, and, and sometimes people act like, if you're gentle and good and kind, you're, you're not a man of God. Uh, I think Jesus was pretty gentle and good and kind, amen? Uh, and I think he did okay by himself, amen? Uh, and so, so can we do it? Do we want to do it? Are you willing to do it, right? See, you, are you willing to be obedient in all things? And, and if you are, then you've got work to do, amen? And see, I can say that without, without a thus saith the Lord, all you got work to do. All of you, you're a mess, right? 
but you're not really that much of a mess. I mean, you, you may be at an 80 grit mess, you know, that's a mess right there, but you could be at a 220 grit. I mean, you could be at a 320 grit mess, right? But see, 320 is still not a million, right? When you get down the million grit, you know, where it's just like, like baby fuzz, you know, maybe you're, you're pretty close to arriving, right? But uh, do they make anything more than 300 grit? I've not seen anything like that beyond that, right? I mean, that's super fine sandpaper, right? I mean, that's where you're just, you're just breathing on it and, and taking stuff off. And so, but the Lord, he will always do that, amen? And it's good. It's, the end result is we are better, amen? Because remember, he's going to be pruning us, right? So we bear more fruit. And, 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 and that will be a great goal. And so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. So, Father, we thank you. Uh, Lord, that you instructed us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, with the knowledge that someday we stand before you for everything we say, everything we do, Father. You said we have to give account for every idle word and every action done in a body, both good and bad. And so, Father, that's the fear and trembling that we think about, that we remind ourselves that, Lord, there is, a, there is uh, sowing and reaping in all that we do and all that we say, Father, in this earth, and that you will, you will uh, uh, remind us of these things, not to condemn us, Father, uh, but you will remind us uh, about them when we stand before you. And so, Father, our goal and desire is to work that out of our lives. Work that, whatever the things that don't line up with your word, and whatever things in our lives that don't line up with your spirit, we will work them out with your grace and by your help, Father, uh, and by the help of our, of our friends and our families and our pastors and our churches. Father, we are in this together. Uh, and it's not about pointing the finger and condemning each other. It's about being kind and gentle one to another, Father, to help each other out to look more like you and sound more like you each and every day. And we thank you for that, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? You know, that's a real shouting message right there, working out your own salvation. Amen. But uh, it's a, uh, to me, it's a good message. It, it's uh, uh, it's uh, a necessary part of life, uh, and it's a good aspect of life, uh, but... Um, uh, it's not uh, the Lord's going to give you a million dollars tomorrow kind of message, but uh, it's still a good message, amen, because uh, all, the, all the blessings of the Lord uh, are through the act of obedience, amen. So let's get ready to receive this, this evening's offering, and um, uh, we don't still have a whole lot of announcements, right? Nothing much going on, so I don't even know when our next church meal is. And don't know, uh, Brother Randy's coming in August, right? So that's, a, that's a quite a... Normally, we don't do back-to-back, you know, month, month, month. Uh, it's just unusual. It's, it worked out this way, but that's fine. Amen. Uh, so come ahead, Mr. Jaron, receive the offering. And uh, continue to pray for um, uh, uh, Brother Stanley, uh, that he gets better, that recovers uh, from whatever's uh, causing the issue with his uh, sugar today. And also... Um, um, let's see, Miss Jeanette had uh, knee surgery today, right? So I'll be praying for her speedy and swift recovery. Um, and um, I think that's it. Anything else, right? I think we're good. Amen. Well, have a wonderful week. Be blessed, and we'll see you on Sunday, right?